you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Welcome to Watchpoint Radio, a podcast dedicated to Overwatch and its community. I am Bobby Schistler, also known as Blazing Bob, and today I am joined by two special guests. First one is Icy Sorrow of Enter the Irish Podcast. How are you doing, Icy? Doing good. Good to see you, Bob. Good to see you. And then next is my good friend, Totemly Drunk, from the Overwatch League Network, the back cap and heroes never die. Welcome, Totem. Man, that's getting to be a mouthful, along with the episode numbers between the three. But yeah, thanks so much for having me on. You know, it's uh, my first time being on WPR, given the fact that we would always be recording Heroes Never Die on the same yep. night as you guys, and not so much now. So I can actually like float around a little bit and help out some other podcasts. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome to have you, as always. Well, this is episode number 101 after the big 100, so we're pretty proud of that. Jaw's still out of town. He's overseas. We're uh, hoping that he gets back with all limbs intact and can take over editing again because it's a lot of work. This, is, this episode is recording on March 27th to be released on March 28th. A preview of topics is basically Brigitte... The crazy PTR, crazy PTR, and the stage two finals of the Overwatch League. So that's what we're going to be covering. And we'll give you a little insight of what Totem and Icy do at the end of the show, too. Uh, for, I would like to thank, uh, all right, first, okay, first time listeners, what this show is, is we talk news and we talk esports. Uh, we focus basically on the community and the state of the game. Uh, you can follow us at Watchpoint Radio on Twitter. You can join our Discord at discord.me slash mash those buttons. We got an iTunes review this, this week. Oh boy, it's been a drought for all the podcasts lately, so thank you so much. It's by Lana Kadida. I think I said that right. It said, Bob and Jar are great hosts. They have extensive knowledge about the game and are extremely entertaining. If you're into getting better at Overwatch, like the Overwatch League, or just want to laugh, this is the show for you. Thank you very much, Lanakita. I think, I think that's Rod, because Rod said he had given me a review. So, I think that's Rod from your podcast. I see. I don't know. I'll have to check in with him. It doesn't look like it's tagged, but we'll ask. <laughs> Well, it is it is well written for for sure. So thank you, Lanakita. We really appreciate it. All right, before we jump into it, I'd like to hear about what my two guest hosts have been doing this week in Overwatch. Let's do ladies first and start with Icy. Sure. So Saturday is probably the most recent time I actually played Overwatch. Uh, we have team practice every Saturday, so 
We were doing scrims this Saturday, and uh, they did not go as well as I would have hoped. We didn't win a single game against this other team. So it kind of just points out the things we need to work on. Hoping to do a battery session this week and uh, go from there. So, Oh, that could be the worst. But th- the point is, did you learn something from it? Because then if you if you lost it all, you, it was scrims. So you didn't lose SR, you just lost time. But exactly. you didn't lose time if you learned something. Did you guys learn something? I'm hoping we did. Again, it'll it'll help when we go back through the VODs and see like, okay, what did we screw up here? What can we improve? Who's shouting at who and all that fun stuff. <laughs> and who's on your team? I think I know a couple of them. Uh, sure. Yeah. So there's myself, Shockmaster. Uh, I have oh, a couple, Shockmaster. <laughs> a couple of guys I met through another Discord, uh, Monkey, uh, Big Brother. You've probably seen him at game nights recently. Um, oh, God. Wait, I'm going to be... Um, the monkey prince? Uh, <laughs> not the monkey prince. Um, okay. Because I was about to say, I've been playing uh, Steve's with him. Monkey Mo is his uh, Discord name. Uh, uh, is Skarm on the team? Skarm is on the team. Uh, we have a lot Squid of Sword? A Squid is on the team where we can get him in. He hasn't been able to get on the, as much as we would like. He's great tank. Man, you have a lot of people that I know. Uh, what does Rainer Shockmaster play? Uh, Shock's flexing currently. So we're trying Shock's to figure flexing. out what that means for all of us still. Shock's going whatever's needed. That's that's probably good because he can play he can he can play a lot of different yeah, roles. He's been stepping up really well for us. Great. Well that's that's neat. What about you, Totem? How have you been doing in Overwatch this week? I mean, you know me, I'm a very very busy person when it comes to content creation. So this past week was basically just the Overwatch League Network game night, which was on Saturday. So that's actually been like the only time I've been on Overwatch this past week, so no community game night. We ran for at least three hours. I don't know how much longer you guys went after I had logged off, having to be up at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, but I got to do some shoutcasts in. I got to solo tank, which was infuriating. We got to play against oh, yeah. Brigitte, which was a pain <laughs> as the oh, solo tank gonna, as well. That's gonna be the first topic of conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, I was at the game night with you. It was a good time. It was a, a good, good time. You, you had a good tur- turnout. We almost got two lobbies going, right? Yeah, just about. Uh, we just need like a couple more to get that going. But, you know, really no hiccups with the the lobby as I didn't host it. That was Spider, but I was streaming that on our Twitch channel. So it was all in all a pretty good night and uh, got a tank quite a bit. So, you know, yes. not being on every week and not getting to play DPS all the time. Tanking has been kind of almost second nature at this point. Yeah, well, the spider spider looked like he was doing pretty good. It's a lot more stressful than you would think running a game night lobby. I know Icy knows because she runs them oftentimes for the Omnic Lab game nights, which, speaking of, there's an Omnic Lab game night in addition to the Calvary game night, all lumped into one big, massive Voltron of a game night this Friday night. So you should definitely show up there. It's at the Omnic Lab Discord. But yeah, did you do anything else besides game night? Not really, no. Um, I am starting to try to plan out something with the Convert to Raid community about maybe doing like a custom game night just as a more like coaching type approach for like newer players and veteran players if they're wanting to learn new roles. So don't really have any details on that yet. I did send out a feeler to the community about that. So that might be something that I do forward on Saturdays uh, here in the very near future. I've actually nice. pitched a similar idea recently to uh, d- another community as well, so maybe we can touch base and see. Ooh, we might have a little bit of 
Might have a little bit of a podcast synergy here. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that are just wanting to learn more about the fundamentals, learn new characters, learn how to have cleaner communication, because a lot of people just end up doing solo queue and competitive, and then, you know, that can lead to tilt, because, you know, having to rely on five people that you don't really know. And, I mean, we've all seen how wishy-washy things can be on the ladder, so people just want, like, a different type of environment to play in, and having something, you know, custom game-based might help with it. Uh, you should tell them definitely to check out Prepare to Attack as a starter. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get you everything, but it'll get you all the information you need in one little compact thing. And most, over 22 of the characters are accurate currently, ready to down, to download and learn. So, Well, for me, I have basically the only Overwatch I did was the the Overwatch League Network game night the other night because... I have been, yo, ho, 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 a pirate's life for me. I've been doing the Sea of Thieves with Andreas and Deathblow, and it's been a little too much fun. Also, this weekend I got really sick. I actually just got over it recently, and I've been having to edit. It's been a stressful time at work. I'm not at work, which makes it more stressful, so... I haven't had a ton of time to play, but I'm looking forward to, I'm healthy now. I'm going to get a good start at work tomorrow. Things are going to be good, and I'm going to be playing a lot of Overwatch this week, I'm hoping. But so let's go ahead and jump into the main story. Top story. Brigitte is live. I've only played her at the game night, and I played her poorly. Um, I want to hear what your guys' thoughts on her so far. Uh, We can start with Totem this time. All right. So, granted, I don't have the most experience with Brigitte, uh, because most of this is coming from our game night, which was, you know, our first time really getting to play her with, you know, the community in our custom games. But, you know, as the tank player, more times than not, I was solo tanking, and even when we did have two tanks, uh, we were still running Dive, which, as you know, Brigitte is kind of the uh, the Dive killer, essentially, is what she has been labeled. Well, I can say for a fact, as a Winston player, I was absolutely infuriated by Brigitte time and time again, because what would happen is I would dive in and I would immediately get shield bashed and then whipped. So yeah, and then she could do that to you five seconds right. later. It was it was a pain to deal with, and it didn't matter if I like timed my my shield differently. I was still having an issue with it because you know, as the main tank, I was getting the focus one way or another. So you know, I didn't really get to play against her with some of the other heroes, but you know, I know that she can display uh, like Farah out of the sky. It's a little bit harder. Uh, Diva can just boost her right through, so you don't really have to worry about it in that case. So, you know, maybe I need to just play more Diva and not play Winston, who's more of my, like, third tank, is, I think, I mean, the biggest takeaway. I think the reason that you were on Winston is because we were doing the triple DPS dive, and mm-hmm. our dive just wasn't coward. Well, you were on the other team, I think. No, you were on my team because Spider was the other tank, yeah. and he was kiting me all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I was playing Reaper when, you know, that really doesn't help your Winston. So we were kind of not really a dive-oriented team. But Winston would be the best choice had you had a Genji, Widow, Tracer as your three DPS. So it might have been a little easier on you. And had you had some actual heals, like you had a, you also had a Brigitte, I think, Mm -hmm. and a uh, Zen. So 
not getting a lot of heels there. Yeah. And I, I think that was a big problem. All the Zen names mains were in there, and then the Brigitte was taking up the other healer spot. Our teams tried to tried to like change it up a little bit and be like double heel and then mm-hmm. treat Brigitte as more of a tank with like a Reinhardt. Yeah, like I know when I was in the game with Rob May from Omnic Lab, he was I was asking like, okay, we need an off take. And he's like, Well, we have a Brigitte, and I'm like, that's not how this works. <laughs> <laughs> and we proceeded to lose and get stomped that game. So I feel like Brigitte can't really be an off tank or really like she needs to be paired with a better healer too. I mean, I do Zenyatta is okay. I don't think a Lucio really pairs with her that well. You really need a Mercy or an Anna just so you have the throughput because it's really or hard Moira, if you're not stacked or up. Moira. Right. But yeah, all but in I, all, it's she's an interesting hero. I don't know where exactly the meta is going to shift to. I know there's a lot of concern about having like a crowd control meta. And, you know, we might see that quad tanks lambulance come out but you know we'll talk about that later because they are kind of making some tweaks on the ptr to kind of combat that so i have no idea what what this is going to turn into at this point well let's hear what icy has to say we'll see what she says what i was thinking uh well i probably have even less time on brigitte i went on ptr when she was released on ptr and i ended up Playing her against uh, 6v6 uh, No Limit. So I was just getting shield bashed after shield bashed after shield bashed and infinitely stunned. So that was also very fun. Doesn't uh, (laughs) sound like a true test. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't a great test for me on the hero itself. Um, As far as her as a hero goes, I'm more interested in the shield bash in uh, in the alternative fire with her mace. And having it be something that's an interrupt and having, like you said, having crowd control be really a forefront of what's going to be coming next, especially after they made that change to ults. Whereas if you get interrupted, if you die mid ult, you lose it for all heroes. So I think that's probably going to be the main go-to for her, similar to how McCree with his flashbang is used right now, is just that crowd control. So I'm excited to see where she fits in. As far as pairing her with other healers, I'd have to see... I haven't played on her enough to really say, but I think her and Lucio having the AoE effect could work with a dive, but again, I haven't seen it in effect. You need really, really good target focus on that, similar to how Zen Lucio works right now. Because you are getting a good amount of heals if you're stacked together, but if you're not constantly there, you're going to run into trouble, which is probably what you guys had happen. Probably had flankers or something like that. Yeah, well, and just nobody was really, I don't think anybody was really talking about how to play with Brigitte instead of just jumping in with her. I know the first game I jumped in, I just jumped on her mm-hmm. and played her for the first round of Ilios. I got her so first I was like, kind of thing. All right, yeah, I was like, all right, guys, I'm sorry. Does anybody else actually have any time on her and want to play her? I feel like I'm ruining your guys' fun. <laughs> So I jumped off, but I really think that just from the little I've seen so far, I feel like she will have a place as an off tank and an off heal. So say you do want to run three DPS, you can ditch your off tank and your off heal. You still need your Reinhardt and you still need your Mercy, Moira, or Anna, but you can drop the Zen and you can drop the Diva for a death ball type of thing. and. 
you would probably have to run something else that could take care of the, you know, the the people on the high ground, but you could run a widow or you could run Genji and they could take care of that role. So it could open up. I would see it more on like payloads, things of that that nature. It would be a pretty solid thing. You'd have uh, Brigitte to watch the backline heels, which would probably be Moira, and she could basically watch Ryan's back. So I see that as a viable thing there. Mm. But I kind of disagree. I don't see her backline at all. I feel like she needs to be pushing in the front line to be effective to get her passive to work. Um, I understand if people are diving your backline, maybe being peel for her, but I definitely see her more as a front line with the Reinhardt rather than in the back. Well, let me rephrase. I'm saying she's going to be up there with Ryan the entire time and then basically just be a back-to-back thing if a flanker does come. She she pivots, puts up shield. Reinhardt doesn't have to turn and put up his um, shield like would be in the past. Right, she can peel, but without actually having to dive back, basically. Gotcha. Yeah, she just stays with Ryan, the, and the Moira stays right on top of them, and then they just kind of move through. You go, you get a... You get a Reaper or a McCree in there. It could be it. It could be pretty mean, but I definitely agree with you. She's not going to be just chilling in the back, you know, in like a dive type of sin of sin area where you leave Zen in the background. She's not going to be the person hanging out with Zenyatta. Uh, what well, does anybody else have anything else they'd like to add on that? Uh, what like anything on the strategy of her at all? I mean, I've found her best to be working in the triple tank comp with her. I mean, that that way you do have more of a frontline presence, because, I mean, a lot of it just has to come down to the frontline aspect of it, because that's how you're going to get the maximum use out of your you know healing throughput at that point. Because if you don't have the frontline, then you're really not able to, you know, get that healing throughput that you're really looking for. So, you know, triple tank with two healers and, you know, either Tracer or you know, insert X character. I mean, it could be Soldier, it could be Junkrat. It could be really anyone at this point. So but... you're you're counting her as a tank. You're, you're basically saying two tank, two heal, one DPS, and Brigitte. No, usually I've just been running Moira and Brigitte, but still oh, okay. running three tanks. Hmm. Okay. I'm interested to see what she ends up countering and what ends up countering her. Um, I feel like with as many shields as there are in the meta, I'm worried about Anna as a character, as a healer. I just don't know if she's going to be as viable. Um, was already not doing well. I know, exactly. Um, and I heard, I've heard a lot about her bash being very effective against Trace or against Genji. So I'm, I'm interested to see when even like the pros get a hold of her, what she ends up countering, what they end up bringing her against, what map she's going to be really, really key on. So that's what I'm looking well, forward to. What I've asked for her for since Moira came out, we saw that that Moira could heal through shields. I'm like, give Anna half heals through shield and half damage, or at least half heals, at least half half heals through shield, and boom, she instantly becomes viable once again. I mean, that's almost like I, I wouldn't put it to that point, but remember when Zenyatta for like a second had Discord through shields. Yeah. Remember how crazy that was? I do. That's I the do. only thing I would really, really worry about doing something similar like that. It would be it would be way too crazy. So, yeah, and I mean, I could be I could be crazy, but it just feels like a way to instantly, with a small tweak, change. 
Because right now, she's just basically worthless. She's hardly used at all in the Overwatch League. Yeah, it's mostly on maps that have really long sight lines. Mm -hmm. It's the only time you can really get away with it at this point. Well, uh, lastly on her, I'd just like to know what you guys think about her not being in comp until Season 10. Yeah, this one I'm kind of torn on. You know, they kind of taken different approaches with how they want to release maps and new heroes into the pool, at least for the competitive ladder. You know, a month does seem like quite a bit of time, but like I, I'm, I'm conflicted. I know people are just going to want to come in without any practice and play here on the competitive ladder, which isn't good for anyone because, I mean, this is a team-based game and people won't really know how to work around her at that point. So a month does give people a lot of leeway to you know, learn her as a character and, you know, learn new maps because, you know, we are getting Blizzard World and whatnot in competitive now. So there is that, too. But, like, it's either, like, you delay it two weeks or you delay it further. And I think four weeks is probably the sweet spot at this point. But they did say that they're going to kind of look back and kind of reflect on this and see if this is the approach that they want to take moving forward for future releases. What do you think, Icy? Um, I'm more concerned rather than about the latter. I'm more concerned about the effects that her release will have on OWL because it's going to happen. What at the end of next month, almost? Yeah, and OWL will already be into stage three, so yeah, we're going to have yeah, to wait an entire it. stage before she's even on their end of OWL. So it's it's going to be interesting because comp is going to be way different for us than it is what they're going to be showing on screen. So we'll have to see how that ends up working. Which, I mean, which it is now, too. They, they don't have the Sombra changes that mm -hmm. we see. They, they still use Sombra as a healing pack alt uh, ultimate machine, and that's how they, they use her. They might be using her completely different had we been on live. But I think that they're basically turning quick play into the new PTR. So... They bring in Brigitte. They can check out everything. And I know I'm saying her name wrong. I'm just saying it because it's fast to say. <laughs> and I still don't know how to say it. <laughs> but they're bringing her in so that they can have testing of bugs and what and whatnot. And I believe that pros are in direct contact with Blizzard developers doing testing. That's how this, the Samba change came about so quickly and... They're working on it with them. So I think everything's going to be catered pretty much towards the Overwatch League at this point because the Overwatch League is making a lot of money. <laughs> just, a little, just a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, I am really curious to see how the pros are going to use her in Stage 4 and just see how that compares to later. I mean, is Brigitte going to be ran to kind of like scare off dive compositions? We don't know. So, I mean, we're either going to see triple tank and we'll see more slambulance and then... You know, we'll see a resurgence of Reaper, potentially. I, I mean, there's just so many different oh, ways that mm -hmm. people can go with Brigitte in the lineup if they are going to run her. Because let's be honest, like, when new characters are added to the ladder or just in the pro scene, we don't always see an immediate impact. The same thing happened with Anna. The same thing happened. <laughs> same thing happened with Sombra as well, so... Uh, so really, it's just a matter of, okay, what sort of like pick rate are we going to see from Brigitte? How is she going to be incorporated into compositions? Are they just going to tweak compositions that we already are familiar with? Or is this going to be a completely different look getting thrown at us? I mean, there's just so many question marks and we just don't have the answers yet. So I'm just really curious to see how all of this is going to unfold over time. But I expect 
you know, the pros are going to play it on ladder to see what works. They'll, they might practice it in scrims and, you know, whatever they run with in scrims that works is obviously going to be what they run in on the stage at this point. Yep. And I, th I think you're exactly right. I think that they're just, they're taking it slow. They definitely don't want Brigitte in right away. The Overwatch League is very successful and we want to kind of take that slow. And I want to take it slow too, because I'm enjoying watching it. So I don't want them to push it either. So we're going to go ahead and move on into the PTR report where there's a lot of stuff we got to talk about. Patch notes. All right, so we're coming into the PTR report. We have a bunch of changes. This is probably the biggest PTR report that I've ever personally seen. I don't know about you guys. Uh, it's up there with the Mercy rework, I would say. That was one character. I mean, there was, that was a lot, a lot on of one stuff. character. <laughs> it, it was a lot of one characters. It was definitely, but this is crazy. So let's just jump. Let's jump right into some of the smaller stuff. This, I, this isn't small, I guess. This is the new avoid a teammate from the drop-down menu. Now you can avoid up to two people so they will not be on your team. They can be on the opposing team, but they won't be on your team. And it's for seven days is, is the way it works. And I didn't find anything to tell me if you could actually remove them to put someone else on it, but they will go off of it automatically in seven days. What do you guys think about this? Let's start with Icy. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the dev update did a pretty good job of just explaining how it works. Um, it, it's pretty much just like another list of people that you have like in your social tab, I believe. Um, and you can um, take them off that list. You can put new people on that list, but you can only have two. Uh, I think it's good. I mean, depending on what ELO you're in, if there are those one people that just like the Torbjorn main, you can't really report them for just wanting to play Torbjorn but you would prefer them not to be on your team, this is a really good solution that's less toxic than spamming them to switch heroes because they're not going to. Well, so then, if they <laughs> get on enough people's avoid teammate, they get an email that says, you've been avoided by a lot of players. It's kind mm -hmm. of a shaming thing. <laughs> yeah, it makes, it makes you think about what you've been doing to get all those uh, avoids. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but we won most of them, man. What do you think, Totem? Well, I think they should just rename it to avoid the one trick. I mean, that's really what people are going to be using this for. It's either they're going to be avoiding the Symmetra one tricks and the Torbjorn players, more than likely, especially at higher ELOs, uh, or, you know, just someone that always has an open mic and you can hear everything in their background, or, you know, just generally toxic people that are always trying to demean their teammates, but really, like, I think the bigger thing out of this is there being a cap of two. I think that might be something that they could potentially take a look at and maybe expand that a little bit, but they can't like go completely out of hand where you're just avoiding every single one trick that you end up running across in ladder like for a week. So I think it's a good change, but will it ultimately, you know, separate you from those players that you may not want to play with? Absolutely not. But, you know, it does better the odds at least in regards to not having to deal with that consecutively because we have seen that quite a bit on the ladder where you just keep queuing with the same person and they you know kind of just get stuck in the same lobby and then at that point once you lose the first one you pretty much have a good idea going in what to expect from these players in the second game and really it's just to uh help prevent a little bit of tilt so anything that can do that on a competitive ladder is a good move 
for Blizzard to make because, I mean, the last thing we need is to be up in arms over being paired with the same person that's just not putting in the effort to really win the game and work as a team. I can't wait to just use it on anybody who just doesn't know what they're talking about and telling me on my lobby when I'm playing Tracer and I'm killing it and they have no idea that I'm just making sure that those supports are never in the fight and they think I'm not doing anything because they don't know how to read a kill feed. I can't wait to avoid those players and play them the next game and then do the same to them. That's what I can't wait Mm -hmm. for. And I mean, I get that sometimes in the current way that it is, but I feel like my opportunities to get that will be much more heightened now. Now I will get to play against that person and make them eat their words. That's what I can't wait for. Do you have anything else to add before we move on, Icy? Uh, Not really. (laughs) It's pretty (laughs) self-explanatory. We'll see how it ends up working. All right. So then the next one is the report menu. They've basically just... Um, they've basically just kind of consolidated grieving and poor teamwork into like basically gameplay sabotage, which for the majority of people might help them understand what that actually means. So it's just a quality of life change. Or are they just targeting Sombra players? Because that's how I read it. I mean, gameplay sabotage is essentially Sombra. (laughs) I mean, let's be real. That's exactly what she is. You don't enjoy putting turrets on a basketball and then carrying it towards the enemy team to just, like, try and hit them? Yeah, game gameplay sabotage also being, you know, shooting the basketballs at the start without, you know, letting someone try to get a basket. (laughs) (laughs) That would be considered gameplay sabotage. I mean, it's not actually taking place during the actual, you know, game itself, but it's pre-game and people will still count it as that, so. (laughs) And you get tilted every time, I'm sure. Um, another thing is a little small user interface change. Oh boy, you can now double click the hero instead of have to click the hero and click select. So now you can Instalock faster. This is important to all of you Instalockers out there. Now people can, you know, triple snipe Q even quicker. <laughs> that's all that's all I can think of when I see that change. Yeah, I don't know why they did that change i mean it makes it easier i guess people are gonna one trick regardless um i think some people have macros set up to pick Mm. heroes faster um and this kind of in a way try and tries to even the playing field i feel like on that but if you're if you're really trying to grab a hero that fast at the beginning of a game i don't know if you're going to be very successful during the game especially if you don't get your hero so yeah, I pretty much, anytime I try to Instalock, I get it just because I have a monster PC, so I'm in there a lot earlier than everybody else, but I didn't even think about an actual macro that would point and click in different spots of the screen at different time increments, but that would be against the uh, end user license agreement, so I would not recommend that, guys. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to D.Va. So a slight change to D.Va, her micro-missiles, each one, the damage was reduced from six to four. I do not know how many missiles they are, but I do know that if her she's holding down her left click and she's shooting missiles, the damage is now reduced about 20%. So what, what do you guys think of this change? All right, so I know everyone is, like, flipping out over how prominent D.Va is in the meta. I mean, guys, it's a dive meta. 
Tifa's going to be everywhere. I don't think this change is really going to be, you know, the final nail in the coffin for Dive, even with Brigitte entering the fold and all of that. Uh, but a lot of this just comes Definitely down not. to the fact that you look at Diva right now, and as that, I'm trying to think how I should describe her, as that, you know, frontline assassin, basically, because that's basically what she is, that bruiser-type tank, her burst potential with micro-missiles has been pretty potent, so they're just dialing it back. Uh, I don't expect to see her pick rate drop in that much out of this. Is it a little less damage? Yes, but you're still going to be building the ultimate at about the same rate as you currently are, so... Really, you're just trading off, you know, damage for really nothing. But, I mean, D.Va's not going anywhere, guys, so. What do you think, Icy? I, I don't have a problem with this. Um, D.Va, her essential aspects are there. She still has Matrix, which is a very key ability for her, and she still is a very mobile tank. Those do not change. It's not going to affect... It's not going to affect me as a support. She's still going to be able to peel for us in the back line. Um, it just means that she's not going to be able to deal as explosive as burst the amount of damage as she did before. So it's going to be easier to heal through her. Um, it's going to be able, easier to survive through her. But again, she's not going to be the one. She isn't the one now who's getting the most kills because she's diving on you. It's usually the Winstons. It's usually the Genjis, the Tracers. So yep. I'm not worried about this change. I would have to agree with you completely on that. I don't think this is going to change the Al pick rates at all because in OWL, Diva's used to protect your Zen. So unless you take Zen out, Diva's still going to be there. That's what she does. She protects them. They rarely are being that off offensive with the Diva. Now in the lower ranks, I think this is going to cure a lot of poor little people getting beat up by the <laughs> Diva that's telling everybody She's gold damage and gold kills. I think it's going to help a lot with that. So I think this, I think this was a good change across, across the board, and I am happy with it. Let's move on to May. Now, this one is a little weird. This is her endothermic blaster, and it now pierces through enemies, kind of like Moira's healing uh, yellow spray. So... And I did say that weird on purpose because the yellow spray freaks me out. But <laughs> that's been changed to now shoot through through people. So now if you know a roadhog jumps in front of you and tries to block you from freezing a reaper, you're still going to be able to freeze that reaper through his big old belly. This is a big change, I think, and especially big for the couple people we've seen really play Mel, play May well in the Overwatch League, like an effect, and I believe is it Sabiobi that plays it on NYXL. Well, I mean, it's Rascal that's usually playing it for fuel, and Rascal, Ryuji Rascal, thank you, yes, well for the Dynasty, but really not that many OWL players are actually playing her. It's very, very specific matches or maps, you know, like Control Center. And, you know, sometimes on Route 66, if you know the run in the Sombra on defense, so you can, you know, wall off that, uh, that first health pack. Let's get your, uh, your thoughts on it, Icy, as far as it might play out in the ladder. Yeah, I mean, this, again, comes back to crowd control. I feel like Blizzard is definitely pushing the crowd control right now, especially with this May update. Um, well, they did create World of Warcraft, which moves a lot <laughs> on crowd control. Yeah, not many yes. people like that meta either. No, exactly. That that's, has me worried. Is um, 
May is also a very situational based hero. I worry that on ladder, she's going to become too prominent and people are going to try and play her in every situation. When again, I feel like she is much better situationally map based defense, like uncertain things. So I, yes, I don't want definitely. I don't want to see her become mainstream as like out of me as that is to say, I, I don't think she should become mainstream. I think it's going to be a miserable meta if she is. <laughs> And that's, I mean, that's how I am. I think for the higher ends of play, this will become a quality of life change because the biggest thing for May in higher ends of play is the wall, period. But the lower ends of play where people don't know how to get away from May or don't know how to focus May, it's just kind of like Symmetra and her wind-up beam. She's going to destroy people in the lower ends just like Symmetra does because people don't know just to quickly focus her before her stuff ramps up. Yeah, I feel like at gold and below this can potentially be kind of a nightmare situation because you're going to have May having more control. And if they're decent with walls and, you know, have their survivability, then that's just another thing on top of her kit that you have to worry about. On the higher ends, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. But, you know, I think this change and the next one that we're going to talk about especially on a lower end, are going to be making more splashes, basically. But I don't think, like, May's ever going to get to the point where she's outside of a niche-type uh, pick. You know, we only really see her on two, maybe three maps in the rotation, so I don't think we're ever going to see, like, a control-based character really enter the fold and be, like, a must-pick in most situations. So I know a lot of people are going to be up in arms about this because they don't like May. You know, they consider her to kind of be, like, the Antichrist hero in Overwatch, but... <laughs> People just need to calm down a little bit. I know having it pierce might seem like the biggest deal, but it's not going to be freezing multiple people. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people are assuming, like, oh, now everyone's just going to be frozen whenever she's holding her left click. No, it's not going to work like that, guys. Just, just take a breather, calm down. Everything will be all right, I promise. I will say, when I first started Overwatch, I have a burned-into-my-memory memory of being on... Was it Lijang Tower? No, it was the one where Zenyatta taught Genji about how to be Zen, where Genji has a room up above the the map, but it's con it's control. Oh, Nepal. Nepal, and as Nepal is the one where you have that middle area, everybody always goes top right or top left to start off with. Man, we had a May freeze five of us, and was able to headshot four of us. And then killed off the last person. I just, I still vividly remember this and thinking that she was the worst thing ever. And then as you get better at the game and you get in higher elos, she's easily handleable. And I don't think this is going to change that. I, I really don't. So I just feel bad for the lower end SR people because I think it will be a, it will be a problem there. Sorry, Rod. Yeah, if you're, if you're worried about May and Brigitte getting paired together, just run a Pharah. Yep, you're way high. All right, so let's go on to talk about Reaper, because I know you guys have a lot of thoughts about Reaper. I want to let you guys go, and then I will retort after, because this one I am excited about. Okay, so, I mean, looking at these Reaper changes, I'll just go through them real quick. You can reload your Hellfire shotguns after using Death Blossom, and then he also changes his Wraith form, where it gives you a move speed bonus increase from 25% to 50% and having the ability to cancel your Wraith form by pressing the shift or primary fire hotkey. Now, you know, 
Bob, I know you were pumped for this one, and, you know, judging by some of the videos I have seen on a PTR, this absolutely will not get patched on the live, because I don't know if you've seen the GIF, there's a video where it shows you how long you could fire without having to actually physically reload. Oh, yeah. And the video oh, yeah. was like 49 seconds. There is no way that is going hey. to make it on live. Hey, you know who still counters that? Farah. But go ahead. I just, I don't see it happening just because that's just too much burst potential. Not, not to mention the amount of health you'd get back from landing that many shots. It's just, I feel like just that in itself is too much. So I don't know if the reload Hellfire shotguns after death loss use is going to make it, but I have to say the ability to cancel Wraith form to bring more of an element of surprise rather than always having the ability to time when Reaper is going to be out of that for his engage is going to bring a lot more utility to Reaper as a whole. So I'm excited about these changes, but in the current state on the PTR, it is too much just given the fact that he can basically, you know, go an entire team fight without having to reload. So. All right, I see. I'll let you give us your thoughts. All right, so I stand by my statement that I made earlier. If Reaper in this iteration goes onto live, this is going to be the next Junkrat of competitive. Um, just the amount of spam damage in close range that he can now dish out, again, not, be, not having to reload, um, is going to be insane. Um, I'm okay with the reload on Death Blossom. I'm actually okay with the cancel on his shift, or his, uh, on his Wraith form. It's something that the community has been asking for, I think, almost since day one. Um, you can put it in line almost with like Divas, with Divas, uh, with Divas Shift, with um, let's see who else, with Mercy Shift, with May's Ice Block. It's very, it puts it more in line with abilities like that that can be canceled um, instead of abilities like ults that can't be canceled. Um, so I mean, I think this is a good idea. But I think the movement speed's way too much. I think it's a good idea that he can get himself into positions to ult more than run away. But I think it's just insane. It's it's too much. It's going to be too overpowered. And people are going to... It's just not going to go to live. I'm sorry, Bob. Very sorry. Honestly, I think you can just throw out, if you want to, the whole reload on, on Death Blossom. As a Reaper player played 200 hours of him, Usually, if you're setting it up right, there's no one left after death after, after death blossom. But this new change will make it so you can get death blossom so much easier. It will be un it will be unbelievably easier. It won't be easy. Don't get me wrong there, but easier. Basically, now if there's a McCree, like you have to see him throw out flash before you jump down to try and. To, to try and do it. Anyone has a stun, you have to wait. Now, you can drop in and bait that and then cancel your, your wraith and go right into fighting right again. I mean, it's huge because before, you could bait it, but then you'd have to have a teammate follow it up. So you'd have to shift. They throw the flashbang. You call flashbang down, but you have to run off. You cannot stay there because they can hear you coming out of it. So this is going to allow him to actually bait and actually have a little bit more, I don't, I don't know the, the word for it, more, more trickery. 
basically. It raises the skill ceiling as yes. far as a hero yes. goes, which is, I think, always a good thing. Always a good move on Blizzard's Huge. part for heroes in general because it allows, uh, it allows for better play at higher levels and it allows for improvement of those heroes. Yeah, so. not, not only that, though, but like when you talk about the current state of Wraith form and just how easy that is to read, now as a Reaper player, you have the ability to, okay, well, if someone starts to get the timing, you could always just change it to throw them off. So you don't always have to use the same time in every time you're using Wraith Form. So it's just a different element yeah. to that gameplay where, you know, someone might be able to get it the first time, but chances of them getting the timing right on all of them probably not going to happen. So, I mean, it's, it's yeah. a pretty exciting Wraith Form change. down, you can no longer even get that out before Reaper cancels it and makes that kill. That's going to be a huge, huge gain, I think. Right. But I mean, you, you kind of have to go back to like, OK, so why are they making this adjustment to Reaper? And a lot of that is because they think that that Slambulance composition with Brigitte is going to come into the fold. And that's why we're seeing, you know, the May getting buffed and a Reaper getting buffed. Now, whether or not that meta is going to come to fruition, we don't know. But this is kind of their way of, you know, kind of kind of peeking into the future and what they expect to see. And, you know, if that doesn't happen then who knows, maybe some of these changes might not even go to live. It's all going to just matter where kind of everything kind of just unfolds at this point. But I think as a Reaper player, you have to be pretty excited with these changes just because it's adding another dynamic to this character that he just didn't have before. Don't forget, though, Brigitte brings a lot of armor, and armor is the bane of Reaper. It was why Reaper was, was unplayable... Right after Bay Beyblade is because Diva had a ton of armor and you mm -hmm. could not take her down, even though you should have been able to as a tank busters. All this armor coming in, these buffs to Reaper, you kind of have to take with a great assault with the buffs to armor that are coming in the game. So that's going to be a big thing to, to look at going forward. I think uh, I think the speed could honestly be be taken out. I think that you could you could make a case for not needing the speed because that's another thing you'll be able to do now is you'll be able to wraith in an ult, which has forever been a no-no, period. No, no, because they can hear you coming out of it. They know you're about to wraith. They're lining you up. Now, with that speed, without that speed, I still don't think you get the wraith in with the death, the death blossom. Right. With that speed, I think you actually have enough time to set it up to where everybody can't line you up in time. Yeah, Possibly. it kind of it kind of like brings you back to the Beyblade meta where you see the Nano Blossom basically, but like with this, it's not going to be quite the same uh, with the speed boost anyway. Because I mean, it's still going to be easier to reap that rather than just having a Nano boost with it. With well, I mean, back when it did have that speed bonus and then just hitting it without having to use the Wraith form, so. I don't know. You just made me think of some totem that could bring Nanoblade back or uh, Beyblade back because you wraith in, you get nanoed and you come out of it and you're going that 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 speed like you keep the speed as you move through. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. All right, well, supposedly these two think it's not going to go through, so we'll stop talking about it. <laughs> so we'll move on to Moira. And Moira is not really changing at all. She's only getting changes that are going to make everybody, players of her and people that play against her, happy. They're basically just making everything more transparent. I don't think I need to read it off. 
They're making coalescence, fade, biotic grass, more transparent, more easy to see what's going on. And that makes me happy because every time I play Moira or someone plays with me, I'm like, stop getting that in my face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, eh, eh. It's the same like view in the Overwatch League, too, especially with the color code. It's like, OK, what's what's Moira actually doing right now? Because everything just kind of blurs <laughs> together. So I'm hoping that that will also improve the, the spectator mode as well. <laughs> I've gotten to the point to where I know damage ball, uh, ball versus healing mm-hmm. ball on OWL. They're all healing balls is what it is. So I can tell what they are now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> one's really dark and one's light, but they are mostly healing balls. I will point that out to you, Moy Remains. All right. So the next one is the Zenyatta Orb of Destruction change. This is the Jonak nerf is what this is. It is labeled Jonak nerf in the patch notes so everybody knows i mean you gotta include boombox in there also boom has not looked as good man but i'm a big big fan of boom and boom has not looked like jonek or bedozen i would yeah i I want boom to get his back yeah i want boom to get it back i'm i'm rooting for boom but he has not shown it to me yet but with this change the secondary fire rate which is your right click hold has been reduced by 15%. Now, they're not reducing the damage, but they kind of are, because the way it works now is you right-click, you hold it down, you let it go. Those orbs that you've, that you've saved up hit the target basically in an instant. They hit it all at once. Now, it's going to be more like, doomp, 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 instead of, boom. So, you basically lose that sniping ability and that... That, that way that Jonak was killing people from across the map, just knowing where people g- were going to walk out. He's basically, he's basically just playing a gambling game and winning the gambles. And so I think that's a good change. What do you guys think? Well, when I look at this one, I mean, looking at Jonak, I mean, he is essentially a third DPS. Um, you know, Zenyatta's in the Overwatch League have kind of had Tracer's number. Not all, not in every situation, but for the most part, that has been true. They've been using that secondary fire to get the snipe. But that being said, though, I mean, a lot of this comes from the fact that it's not always they're not always getting, you know, sniped when they are peeking. I mean, a lot of this will come down to how much are they peeking? How long is that duration? But, you know, a lot of times when tracers are trying to dive, even if you predict it, they're going to be right in your face. So you're still going to be able to hit the majority of that secondary fire. So I think in that case in itself, it won't be that big of a deal, but just like going for the longer range snipes, this will definitely make a difference. You're not going to be seeing as many early, you know, picks with the Zenyatta, but I mean, Zenyatta's damage right now is pretty damn good. And if you've been watching the Overwatch League, you have seen Joan X stats. You've seen him be the top damage on his team as a Zenyatta, despite having the two best DPS players in the league, arguably. So, you know, regardless of where you are in the ELO, uh, I, I think that overall this is a good change. You know, Zenyatta's put out a lot of damage, and this will help a little bit to keep him more in line with the Moira. But, you know, I don't think you're going to have to be as worried as a Tracer player moving forward, as long as, you know, you're not, like, double or triple blinking for the engage to get to that back line. And what about you, Icy? Um, again, this is, I think, kind of like a reversal for patches as far as it goes. I think this is going to directly affect the higher skill tiers. 
and it's not going to really affect the lower skill. So I think the ability and like the just like knowing where they're going to come from, knowing you can get off a certain amount of damage in that certain amount of time. I think that's what really Zenyatta's were good at before. And then this decrease is just it's giving you more time to get out of the way. You know, if you get hit with that first shot, just take a left or a right and you're fine for the rest of them pretty much. So we'll have to see how it goes. I just I still see Zenyatta being prevalent in ODBL because of his discord. It's just too good not to be there. But we'll have to see if this really affects like, again, who's getting the kills in the end. Yeah, I don't think this is going to affect anybody that's gold lower, because if you're playing Zenyatta at gold or lower, you're probably dying a lot because if you don't have, no matter how good of a Zen you are, I mean, I play Zen a lot. No matter how good of a Zen you are, if you don't have a backline peeler, a Lucio to come boot people off of you, a Diva to come matrix you, you really are not, I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're still going to get jumped pretty hard and you're not going to be able to fight off everybody. So you're probably dying quite a bit anyhow. I don't think this is going to affect them. I think this is definitely going to affect those early picks in the higher higher skill tier play. And something we've seen as a lot, you know, everything besides, I think, what we talked about, the Diva nerf. I mean, like, most of them are pertaining to high levels of play. Like they're either they're like nothing that I've seen that has changed is changing mid tier play. It's either changing lower tier play or changing higher tier play. So there's a lot of changes, but it feels like someone has gotten together and it feels like there's a team at Blizzard working with pros and the because pro, all the stuff I see the pros talking about all seem to be getting changed. So. I feel it's a lot of pros working with Blizzard straight up. Yeah, but I mean, you could also look at, you know, everyone was kind of freaking out about the Sombra changes and all the pros were crying foul over how Sombra is going to be, you know, in the meta nonstop. And we have not seen that play out as everyone expected it to. But yeah, they definitely do have communication. But like, That's because the pros could shoot themselves up with Sombra, hack Farah in the sky and kill her on the way down pretty consistently like th this this was something that they had shown they could do a lot doesn't happen in our skill tier it, but it hasn't really happened in contenders to be honest either uh but you know going back to zenyatta though you're still gonna have that consistent damage coming out because their primary fire is unchanged i mean a lot of this is just dialing back just the burst potential of him overall and i mean really Securing that early pick is what makes Zenyatta a must-pick outside of, you know, Discord Orb, you know, just as a whole. So, you know, I don't I don't think we're really going to see the pick rate on him drop either. I mean, I kind of think it's like just in line with FIFA 1. We're still going to be seeing Zenyatta in almost every match. In match high I would play, imagine. though. In high play. Like, Diva is picked across every mm -hmm. SR is one of the high ones. Zenyatta is not. Right. <laughs> so... That's where it differs. That's where you saw the D.Va get nerfed in the in basically lower end tier play and Zenyatta get nerfed in higher tier play. They just didn't help out Zenyatta in lower tier play. I don't know how they would. I don't think you can at this point. Just based on this toolkit. Yeah, it's all about aim. It's like similar to how 
Farah is better in certain ranks than others. It's because at lower tiers, the hit scan players just don't have the higher skills to hit her. And then at higher tiers, she's just trash. <laughs> Unless she's got a mercy. Know, I don't think they know how to look up. I mean, you don't l- learn how to look up till plat, right? I wouldn't say that. I think it's just getting, it's practicing, it's getting the skills that you need to be able to hit what you're aiming at. Yeah, well, the problem is, is a lot of the problem with the lower tiers, I think, with Farah, is they think a McCree or a soldier just cancels it out, and they mm-hmm. don't understand that it really doesn't. And for that soldier, if the Farah even knows slightly what she's doing or just can't stay in the air long enough, you don't have enough time to kill her as soldier because of the drop-off. So everybody in the lower tiers, when I play with all my friends, they're like, switch to soldier. I'm like, no, dude, switch to diva, man. Just switch to diva. <laughs> yeah. yep, just get it's in her face. common misconception. Yeah, I mean, but look at diva now. She's not going to have her missiles as well. So she's still going to yeah, be as but, prevalent against spares, hopefully. But so a defense matrix, so all those rockets. She, yeah, she had go. no problem taking them out before. I think it'll just be a little bit harder. But that would, I mean, I'm excited that they're making a lot of changes. It seems that they are making a lot of slight changes, but they just like changed it. Instead of making a lot of changes to one character, they're like, we'll just make a lot of changes, little tweaks to each character. So I kind of like them changing it up. I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm going to be here with you guys podcasting and telling everybody about how and what it does. So we'll just see moving forward. Let's go ahead and move on into the weekly update. Weekly updates. And for our weekly update this week, we have a couple different things. The first thing is the stage two Overwatch League finals are over and NYXL has won. The crazy thing that happened was the... London Spitfire took on the Fusion on the match prior and lost, therefore pitting Fusion against NYXL. NYXL admittedly wasn't ready for them and quickly went to an 0-2 start. They lose one more map and they're out. But then they changed up their game plan and they reverse swept to win three victories in a row making the grand total 3-2, and NYXL is your stage to $100,000 winners. What do you guys think about how this all played out? Well, I mean, I mean, going back to our predictions on OWLN, uh, none of us picked Philly to be a playoff team. And, you know, you kind of look back to see how it played out, and, you know, you had the LA Gladiators that were still in the running. You had Soul Dynasty in the running. And then you had Philadelphia, who was kind of the the dark horse. I mean, they had the toughest road in order to get the playoffs. They had had all of this stuff happen in order just to be really in the running. And then, you know, L.A. came out. Didn't do so hot. So that it was up to Seoul. Seoul lost to Houston, which was a huge... I'm not going to say it was a huge upset because Houston did play them really tough the last time they did face. But, you know, Houston did win this one as opposed to the last one. And then Philly won out. I mean, it was just absolutely crazy. And, you know, awesome. Snillo, EQO, it doesn't matter who you play at DPS. As long as Carpe's there, they're killing it. Right. And that's the thing. Like, you look at Carpe, and Carpe delivered. I mean, he, he definitely felt the fatigue in the grand finals because 
I mean, playing 10 maps against the two best teams in the Overwatch League is going to take a lot out of you. And it doesn't matter who you are, you're, you're going to get fatigued. And you did see that uh, during, like, map 3, 4, and 5 of the finals. But, like, Snillo got put into a map 5, basically coming in cold, and he just carried the fusion to secure that first mm-hmm. series that they played. And I'm like, talk, like, you have to think, like, Get him put in that situation as such a young player. I mean, you were expecting the world from that player, and for him to come out the way that he did and perform like that speaks volumes about him as a player. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk about, okay, well, what DPS are the Fusion going to be running? What's going on with Shadowburn? Are they going to play EQO? Are we going to see Snowdow? Is Carpe going to get set? I mean, they keep rotating people in and out, and it's really thrown a lot of people off, and... You know, I know some people aren't going to consider their tank line one of the better ones in the league, but, you know, Freggy's really come through, and Poco, while he's not been playing that aggressive, you know, dive bomb that he was earlier in the stages, he's still been up there with some of the some of the best Diva players out there. So as a whole, like, Philadelphia was the real champions of Stage 2 because they did something that nobody expected them to do, and... You know, New York, they put all their eggs in the basket of, okay, we're going to be facing London. And then London lost. And then, you know, they brought out some strats that they had catered towards London, the first two maps, and it did not work at all as expected. But I mean, map three, four and five for the for the finals anyway. I mean, geez, what what can you not say about Libero, the flex god DPS? For New York, mm-hmm. on top of Jonex securing the first kills with that secondary fire on Zenyatta as a third DPS, and I mean, at the end of the day, there's no better tracer in the world than CVLB. So everything was going right for them at that point, and the fatigue definitely kicked in. But all in all, the playoffs for Stage Two going in, we thought, okay, this is pretty much set in stone because we know who the number one seed was more than likely going to be, be in New York. And we figured the number two seed would be London. And then all of that happened. And I am still flabbergasted just to see how it unfolded. But we did not podcast curse New York like Spider and Slambo did in stage one. So, I mean, that has to count for something, too. Well, I uh, I actually talked to Hayes, the coach, uh, one of the coaches on, on uh, the Fusion. And we're hoping to have him on for next uh, OWL recap. So I'm interested to hear a little insight on what's been going on inside of their organization because whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. And with you talked about the Snillo, and I'll be honest, the first time I remember Snillo being in the mix because I really pay attention to the teams that are hot or the teams that are big because you just can't pay attention to everything. I watch them all, but really. D- dig down i wait till a team's hot or if it's one of the top teams and or if it's dallas and so the first time i saw snillo play was this week and i was impressed with the tracer play and i was like oh another team that has a you know two really good tracers but then oh shoot carpe can do widow while they he does tracer so it's what San Francisco Ch- Shock was trying to do, and I hope they still get going because I really like Harshit. He's he's a friend of the show, so I hope they really get that going. But it's what I was talking about: as you need two tracers in the current meta, it just it it gives you that what if scenario. They can't study one person. You'd see the 
them changing up the DPS is what I think Shock also wants to do, and I think is a really good strategy. I see. I think it's funny though that you say that you need two tracers when some teams don't even have one. <sighs> That's very true. Um, I mean, I just want to say Fusion at least. They're hella fun to watch. They always seem like they're having a good time and they're just enjoying playing. They pretty much have stayed true to their dive and what they specialize in. Um, I mean, I only was able to see the first uh, match of that stage finals, but like even on, uh, what was it, King's Row with the Zarya plays, those were just, it was just so incredible to just like watch and just see what they were good at. And they pushed it and they knew that they were good at it. You heard how cocky they were with their interviews. <laughs> With Hanzo, though, mm -hmm. is yes. the best King Row. Except yes. for the King second <laughs> attack when they tried to run it against the shield heavy side of New York. Yes, true, you know, true. Did not work. A but, little too cocky. Yeah, but you know, speaking of King's Row, I know this This is going back to the semifinals, but we actually saw London put up the fastest attack time on point eight, getting that capture in 29 seconds, which is absolutely oh ridiculous, God. too. So, and we did see a little bit of history coming out of the playoffs as well in that regard. It was. Bottom line is the Overwatch League is probably one of the most exciting things that has ever happened to me in my life. I've been a gamer my entire life. I've not really been into sports. I've only been into KU basketball and Chiefs football, Dallas Cowboys football, but very little sports. This is extremely exciting to me, and I am in just envy of all of you kids that are starting off with this in your mm. early lives i i uh, you could expi you could aspire to be a gamer and be a professional gamer it is so cool i actually missed ku's elite 8 game against duke because i was watching the finals and i didn't even think about it i'm sitting <laughs> there after the finals and just like oh man what's some finals and I see a Yahoo Sports thing come across. KU wins and it goes to the Final Four. I'm like, okay, sweet. Okay, double bonus. But I totally forgot because of the Overwatch League. So I'm excited about that. All right, well, we, uh, we, we, we beat that one into the ground. But we are all excited about it and excited about it going forward. So I think it was a good combo. I'm going to turn it over now to Icy to tell everybody about her new podcast that just started, and then I'm going to let her throw it to Totem when she's done. Sure. All right. So our new podcast is called Enter the Iris. Um, we are a self-improvement podcast that talks about meta in terms of how we can improve ourselves. Um, it, we record every Monday. Um, you can find us at Enter the Iris uh, podcast on Twitch. And on Twitter. Um, and pretty much we just are all about self-improvement. We talked last week. Um, we kind of took uh, stage two playoffs as like a turning point for us. We wanted to talk about dive versus dive. So we had talked previously about how dive was set up. And now we wanted to see how would you play dive versus dive and how the pros are able to achieve that. Um, we also have a section right now that I'm trying to push called Women of Overwatch. And we are definitely looking for guests for that. Um, we just kind of want to have a platform where women in esports and Overwatch and Twitch and just strategy where they can come onto the podcast and just talk with us. So um, if you guys are interested, please come follow us, come find us. We would love to have the views. We would love to get your feedback. So thanks. Totem, all you. 
Alright, well, I am actually currently on three Overwatch podcasts, so, you know, chances are you probably have listened to at least one of the three. Uh, Monday nights at 7pm Pacific Time, we record Overwatch League Network, that is basically, I mean, it's it's not ironically named, we cover the Overwatch League, we do recaps, we preview the week ahead, we usually do, like, a question of the week. And all that good stuff, and of course, you know, covering anything that's going on around the league, suspensions, you know, hot community topics, things like that, you know, uh, whether or not emotes are considered racist, which has been a hot topic for whatever reason. You can kind of blame XQC no for, good reason. for all, all of that, but I mean, there's just a ton of stuff going on with Overwatch League, and you guys need a platform for, you know, recap, and there's a ton of great Overwatch League podcasts out there. Uh, we also have OWLN The Back Cap that is recorded Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. And that is our tier two slash contenders type show. Uh, pretty similar format to how we do Overwatch League Network. And, you know, this week we're kind of light on games because there's like six games. And then next Wednesday we're going to have like, like I think 12 games at least, if I remember correctly. Uh, but, like, if you guys are wanting to know, like, how the Academy teams for the Overwatch League are doing, or who's getting picked up for the Overwatch League, or who's getting brought into the Academy teams, like Flower for XL2, he's debuting this week, so you guys are all going to have to tune in for that, because... And who is that host? That host you have is awesome. That that new guy you got. That is Primal Ren. He's actually someone that reached out to me via email when I was, you know, kind of tweeting out, Hey, I'm kind of looking for a consistent co-host for this, you know, tier two scene. And he's actually a new podcaster as well. Yeah, that dude is awesome, man. You'll have to give him my big ups, man. Mm -hmm. I've been really impressed. And I don't even want to pay attention to any of the contender stuff. But I've listened to that podcast religiously and just really enjoyed him. So you'll have to give him my props. Yeah, like in the past, like he did like blog posts. So this is like really his first venture in the podcast, which is great. I mean... You know, in the past, I've brought in new podcasters, and it's we've had good success at times, and we've had some hiccups. But all in all, like I, I think he's doing really darn good. So, like, contenders is going on in seven different regions. We are only covering North America and Europe, but we will cover some of the news aspects of the other regions. But I mean, you look at the schedule and how all of the games are laid out. There is no way for me to physically sit down and watch every region on top of the overwatch league add on three podcasts a week there's just there's not enough time in the week to do that that's why we stick to the main two and occasionally you know we'll talk about you know the shane high dragons academy team team cc who did pick up two miraculous youngster players if you haven't already known that uh but on thursdays we have heroes never die that is my original my og overwatch podcast that is our variety overwatch one which we recently did a complete restructure of after our episode 100. And uh, we basically cover, you know, anything going on inside the game, the PTR. We also cover esports, so we do have Overwatch League discussion. But since we do record later in the week, we usually just cover the Friday and Saturday for the previews. Uh, but, you know, we have a lot more content on that one compared to all the others, just given the fact that we are branching out into all avenues for Heroes Never Die, and I host that one with Edenar, who has been on some other podcasts of ours in the past and had an Overwatch podcast uh, on his end at one point that is no longer going. 
But all of those. I will, uh, I will say on the Heroes Never Die one, I do like Edinar, but I will caution anybody who is a Dallas Fuel fan. Edinar might piss you off. So if you're looking to be pissed off and send someone hate mail, this is the guy. Because <laughs> he will hate on them at the drop of a hat. Like he even like he uses them as like a curse word. I mean, it's weird how much he hates them. So there might be some sort of I don't know, like maybe he reached out to XQC and XQC was like, "Shut up, bro." And he's like, oh, "Oh no, I don't know, I don't know." Bobby. All I know is that if you're a fuel fan, steer clear. If not, he has some good insight here and there. Bob, you say that but you were also talking to someone that renamed Dallas Fuel Dumpster Fire. So you. I mean, I have to take some flack on that end, too. And I mean, I've already been called out on uh, some of the Sinatra talks I have had. Both. It sounds like yours is cheeky and fun, though. <laughs> it sounds like Ednar comes from a seed of deep, deep-seated hate. Like, it's like churning up in him, seething out. And when he talks bad about the fuel, it's almost like they shot his dog, man. I mean, it's like. He has no hate for anybody else, and he's a great guy, and he <laughs> has some great insight. But that one piece of it is just weird to me. It's like someone did something to him, and I don't know what it is, but we will figure it out. Yeah, he's also a Mayhem fan, so you kind of have to take some of the things that he says with a grain of salt. <laughs> I don't know. The Mayhem, the, the mayhem is pretty exciting yeah, right they're, now, they're and I've good. always been a huge fan of Tavik, mm-hmm. so... I'm hoping the mayhem keep it up. It's just, it, seriously, he doesn't hate on anything else besides the fuel, and he hates. Like, it's the true word, hate. But yeah, bring, bringing this back, though, all of those podcasts are found on the same channel. Uh, so again, that's Monday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific time, and then Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific time, and that is all on twitch.tv slash Show. So, you know, three podcasts a week, you know, no big deal. Now I was on around the payload last week and you know i'm on watchpoint radio tonight so you know it's four podcasts in a week back to back to back to back but you know i love covering overwatch so i am happy regardless yeah believe me i know what it's like to go on a lot of podcasts in a week mm-hmm. i've had to de- actually start telling people no now because i feel bad because i come on and i'll just be spent i just won't have that energy that i have normally and that energy is what works in podcasting. Right. So I've had to actually start to tell people no. All right. That's going to bring us to the end. We didn't have any community questions this week. Uh, let everybody know that Prepare to Attack Batch 5 is out. Jaw is still sitting on Bastion. So tell him to get off his ass and send him a tweet at underscore J A A underscore. Tell him. To get Bastion out. He's had it for weeks now. Mm. Uh, I'd like to tell everybody, normally when Jaws here, we live stream every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I'm sorry that I haven't had the stream up the last two weeks, but doing all the editings on MashThisButtons.com and everything else, it's just too much to do. So I apologize for that, but we will be back on track next week. And we encourage you to send your Overwatch stories in. They're fun. They're exciting. We will read them. Send them in. All right. We have a PS4 community, an Xbox One club, and a Discord. If you want to talk to me, I'm on the Discord. The clubs are all jaw. 
We also encourage you to join the Facebook group, Heroes of Overwatch. I do frequent this this Facebook group as much as I can, and it is a good group of guys and some fun com- conversations, so check them out. Uh, if you'd like to find me, you can find me at blazon underscore Bob. That's B-L-A-Z-Z-I-N underscore B-O-B on Twitter. You can find me on Twitch at blazon Bob. You can also find me weekly on the OWL Recap. That is a show where me, I play games, and Mel Arena talk about the Overwatch League. It's a good time. You should come check it out. Where can we find you, Totem? Well, you can find me over on Twitter, usually trolling you, Blazin' Bob, or That's you know, talking true. about cosplay, movies, gaming, mostly Overwatch, and you know, getting up to my normal shenanigans. That is at totally drunk CTR. Uh, Twitch, I really don't stream on outside of our podcast channel, so that's at twitch.tv slash OWLN show. And again, you know, we also do have our Overwatch League community over at discord.me slash OWLN show. And Icy, where can we find you and your awesome podcast? <laughs> sure. So you can find me at Icy Sorrow on Twitch or uh, Twitter. Uh, you can also find me at twitch.tv slash icysorrow. Um, Podcast-wise, I'm pulling it up now. I'm a bad, bad host. Um, all right, so it's going to be at Enter the Iris Podcast on Twitter. And then you can find us at twitch.tv slash Enter the Iris Podcast. And we, again, stream... Enter the Iris Pod, right? Podcast. Is it podcast? Okay. It's podcast. Uh, oh. And we stream Monday nights at 5 p.m. MST. Whoa, 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 what? Yeah, two of my hosts. Yeah. I didn't know. Th- I would have checked out your first stream. <laughs> Why didn't anybody tell me this? I mean, we posted it on Twitter. Or, uh, Twitter so. Dude, I'll on. tag you next time. I'll yes, tag you next tag time. tag me, please. Because, <laughs> you know, I try to keep up with Twitter, but I have to do Watchpoint Radio, Prepare to Attack, the OWL oh, yeah. Recap. I'll, I'll make sure that we uh, tag you several times this <laughs> next time. Yeah, yeah so. I, I, I would love to check that out. All right, well, thank you guys for coming. Thank you for filling in for Ja, who is gone. My sensei is out of the country, and I pray for his return. Peace. Yes, have a good one. Bye, doggies.